Thanks, Jez. Um, guys, I'm looking this morning and I am just listening to the worship team, you know? Can we just kill the bass a little bit? Increase the tops there. I'm sounding a little bit bassy back end. Maybe you can kill the monitors as well, Jonathan. Thanks. I'm looking at the team this morning, the worship team. I'm looking at all the stuff here. And I'm seeing what you guys have done with what we have. And it's incredible. I'm telling you, it's, it really is incredible. And I've got a sense this morning of just a newness, you know, a freshness, you know. Um, it's like, I mean, we got a little girl on the way. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, I don't know what to expect, man, you know, and it keeps me on my toes. You know, if you know what to expect, you just like, you know, and like, there's a, there's a freshness, you know, and like, my missus doesn't know what to expect, you know, and Benny B doesn't know what to expect, but it's like, it keeps us on our toes. Um, and I just look this morning, and I see this stuff, top quality. I'm telling you, I've studied at like the top business school in this country, and the stuff we, we're creating and the content that we're creating, it's top quality. So well done, well done to the team. Just, I just commend you guys. And you know what? Talent it is, but it's just heart and determination, you know? And the Lord looks at the heart and he blesses that. Amen. So well done, guys. Keep going. Um, well done. Yeah, give them a hand. Give everyone a hand. Um, so we're in this series. Maybe just kill the gain there a little bit. We're in this series called The Lost Sons. And um, we have, we have kind of introed it. And we have gone through a couple of episodes. And we now, we are on um, what the Lord gives you what the Father gives. So there's a story, and if you haven't heard it, we're going to read it just now, but it's, it's Luke 15, and it starts off with the parable of the lost sheep, okay? hundred sheep, one goes missing. And the shepherd goes and fetches this sheep, brings it home. And um, straight after that, parable of the lost coin. So a lady loses her coin. She's got 10 coins, symbolizing a wedding band. That's it's like... A woman losing her wedding ring. And we know how that goes. <laughs> it's happened many times. And there's a bit of chaos. Um, and some calls to the insurance. But uh, in those times, it was quite a panic. You know what I'm saying? And uh, like to lose your wedding ring, to lose one of the ten coins, you know, was, could cause a bit of a situation. So she finds the coin. She celebrates with her friends. She calls everyone, celebrates with her friends. Then you get the parable of the lost sons or the parable of the prodigal son, which is a son leaves his father's house and he returns. And we've all heard the story, but we're going to read it again. And the story goes that the father welcomes him in. And it's what Lindsay was saying this morning. The father welcomes us in. And you see, there's a hundred sheep and the one gets lost, father goes, looks, looks for them. There's 10 coins, one gets lost. The father goes looking. The, sh the lady goes looking. 
there's one son and the father waits. Doesn't matter if there's a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand, ten million or one. The Lord's heart is the same for everybody. The father's heart is always looking to, to, to redeem people, no matter what they've done. See, the, the sheep ran, got lost. I mean, sheep wonder, you know. <laughs> they wander around. It wasn't its fault. Maybe the gate was open. I don't think so, because in the story, the shepherd, the, the shepherd, the gatekeeper is Jesus, but it wandered away and got lost. The coin got lost with, by no fault of its own. It, didn't, it got dropped, and the son went away by himself. And so the father, in any situation, in any circumstance, no matter what it is, no matter how many or how little, the father always, his heart is always there, ready to welcome people home. And so, we're going to read this, Luke 15, um, and we're going to read the parable of the lost son, and we're, not, we're going to focus more on what the son gets when he returns. So John covered the robe and the ring last week, and we're focusing now on what do you receive when you come home, okay? So let's, can you read this with me? I'm reading from the NLT, Luke 15, verse 11. To illustrate this point further, Jesus told them a story. A man had two sons. The, the younger son told his father. Didn't ask him. He told his father, I want my share of your estate now, before you die. That's hectic already. I mean, all our policies, you can walk into Investec, Liberty, your parents have got policies, you walk in there and you say, I want my toppies share now. So I'll say, kid, this is what the policy says, you're not getting nothing until your toppy dies, okay? But this guy doesn't want robots, he doesn't want this hard, so he says, my son, so we hear the story, I want your share now. My share now. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between the sons. A few days later, the son packed all his belongings. How's that? A few days, eh? Quick. Packs up quickly. <laughs> He's cruising. He's got his cash, bags, and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Some other translations say with uh, prostitutes. Um, at the time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry, so hungry, that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. I can imagine. You know, I've worked when the Oaks are earning cash and I'm earning not much cash. The guys are buying hot chips there. Yeah, salt and vinegar and everything. And I must go to spa and buy two rolls. Back then a roll was like 98 cents. Now it's four grand fifty for a cheese roll. But anyway, <laughs> and I'm just like, and I'm looking at my bread and tea and I'm craving those hot chips with salt and vinegar but no one gives you anything because you chose that. 
No one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, at my toppy's house, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. You've got to put yourself in this guy's shoes. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both you, both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. I just want you, I just want you to imagine the story. So he runs away, says, please take me back as a hired servant. I'm not worthy to be called your son. And we've, we've, we've heard it. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. How's this? It says here, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, he embraced him, he kissed him. His son, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. So he apologized. He got it in there. So he's coming. The father hugs him. He apologizes. Says, I'm no longer worthy. But the father said to his servants, it's like, oh, thanks. Servants, bring my son a robe. Get him the ring. Where's the ring? He says, yeah, get a ring. Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We know the story about the calf. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. And we're going to hit this quickly because we're going to hit both sides of the story. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. Mm. There's a jaw at my, at my old man's house. What's going on here? And he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother is back. I mean, if you think about that statement, it, if you really think about it, it should cause something in your heart. He was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. What's the celebration about? Your brother's safe return. Beautiful. The older brother was angry, and he wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in the time, you never even gave me a, a young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate with him by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And there's two pictures here. One, this prodigal son comes home and he gets a bunch of stuff. And the other one is his brother's resent, resentful. He's resentful of, this, of the whole situation. 
and he stands outside. He's like, I'm not going in there. I can't party with you guys. No. I'm angry. And so we're going we're to we're look at what the Lord, what the Father gives the Son. So John touched on the robe and the ring last week. I wasn't here, um, but I believe it was a good one. And um, I mean, quickly, the robe represents, it represents righteousness. In, in its simplest term, it, it represents Jesus covering us. Jesus' blood covering us, shed blood. When the Father looks at him, when the Father looks at us, we cover it. That's the robe we get when we come back to the Father. Then he gives us a ring. It says they put a ring on his finger. You know, that, that ring had an emblem on it in those times. Have you seen in the movies, the guy takes the wax thing and he seals the wax envelope and it goes on, on the rider and the rider goes to the distant land and they crack that wax seal. Yeah, the guy had it on his ring. The king, if you go read Esther, King Xerxes, the, he owned the whole empire. He said, said here's my ring. Do what, you, do what you feel is right and stamp those letters and send them out. So basically that ring was saying, my son, here's my signature. Now, you can go to Investec because you got my signature. You get what I'm saying? He gave him the keys, the signature of the family. He gave him the authority of the family. So that was the ring. And we get the same when we come home. When you come home, Jesus gives you the same. It says here in John 1 verse 12, but as many as received him, to them, he gave the right to become children of God. You receive Jesus, you get the right to become a child of God. To those who believe in his name. It says, the spirit himself, Romans 8.16, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So that's the robe and the ring. So now we're going to focus on the sandals. We're going to focus on the sandals this morning. We're going to focus on the fattened calf, and we're going to focus on the party. I don't wear sandals because I always kick my little baby toe, and then I'm like, I always manage to kick something. So I don't like, like open shoes unless I'm at the coast. I always kick something. And, um, but the sandals in this story represent something, and they represent something immensely important to us. So the, the son comes home. He gets the robe, the ring. It says, put sandals on his feet. The story goes like this. To fully understand this, and I've, we've read it, but I'm just going to, we need to go to f- verse 15, okay? In the NLT, verse 15 says this. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. But in the King James, it says this, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, okay? Now, when you join yourself to a citizen, it means you're selling yourself into slavery. You're saying, I've got nothing. I took all my dad's money. I spent it, and now I have nothing, and I'm hungry. Do you have anything for me? So the guy says, yes. Go feed the pigs, but first... Give me your shoes. Why? He says, give me your sandals. You're a slave. It wasn't common, or it's uncommon, for slaves and hired servants to wear shoes. 
back, we're talking back then when this story was written, when this parable was taught. And he takes the shoes, one, to show him, everyone can see this man's a slave, and two, so they couldn't run away. Because back in the day, they didn't have nice tarred roads. <laughs> it was rocky and hard, and you're not getting pretty far barefoot against men with horses. And so they would take your shoes away to show that you're a slave. And so once this, one, you see, the shoes, the shoes represent your rights. Right? Listen to this. I want to read you this. We all know the story. Moses is on the mountain. He's doing his thing. sees a bush burning. He's like, what's going on here? This thing's been on fire for the half a day, and it's not going out. Well, I don't know how long the timing was. He says, this is amazing. Exodus 3, verse 3 to 6. Moses said to himself, why isn't that bush burning up? Even Moses had questions. You know, he, was a, he, he had questions. I must go and see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer. I just want to show you what shoes represent. The Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face. He was afraid to look at God. So holy ground. You don't walk in there with your unholy shoes. Second story, Joshua. He's, there's an army. There's a fight, Jericho. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, demanded, are you a friend or a foe? So are you with us or are you against us? Neither one. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Neither one, he replied. I am a commander of the Lord's army. So he goes up to this guy. He says, are you with us? Are you for us or are you against us? He says, neither one. I am the commander of the Lord's army. What do you want your servant to do? At this, Joshua fell to the ground in reverence. He said, I am at your command. So Joshua is now saying to this commander, I'm now at your command. What do you want your servant to do? You know what the commander says? This isn't in the slides. The commander of the Lord's army replies, take off your sandals. For the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. See, when you're standing before God, see, the story goes that this is the Lord Jesus. And he says, I'm not your friend and I'm not your foe. I'm the commander. I'm here to take over. I'm here to take over. I'm not your friend. I'm not your foe. I'm here to take over this situation. So he says, take off your, your shoes. Right? See, shoes represent rights. You don't have rights in that sense when you're standing in front of the Lord of heaven's armies. You need to put all the things that make you who you think you are, take them off because you're on holy ground. And that's kind of what the guy, the, the, the farmer said, give me your sandals. 
Whatever your father, I don't care what's happening there. You now belong to me. So you're giving up your rights when you give up your sandals. So now this guy comes home. Guess what happens? How's this? So what does he say? Because I think, I think, I think to myself, makes me think, how did he actually get home? Because he had no shoes. I th- like I think, like I'm reading, it says there, he's going to go back to his dad. How does a slave unslave himself, run back to his dad? Because he sold himself into slavery. So he must have, I don't know what he did, but he had to get back. And I don't know what you have to do this morning to get back to the father, but you've got to get back. Don't dishonor people. Do it right, but get back to the father. So how's this? We don't know how he got back, but what we do know is when he comes back, what does he get? He gets the sandals, right? Now, I look at the story, and it says, you think, ah, these sandals are, it's just a a tire. It's just a, you know, my feet are a bit blistered. It's not just an attire. The Bible says it's the gospel shoes of peace, in a sense. It gives us, as believers, the ability to preach the gospel, believe it or not. The, the, the shoes of peace gives us the ability to preach the gospel. And you see, the shoes represent your rights. When you, wear, when you come back to the Father, He gives you the shoes. doesn't matter what the older brother thinks about you. Doesn't matter what the hired servants think about you. Doesn't doesn't matter what the slaves think about you. The father has given you your shoes back and you have the right to be a son, a child, a daughter of God. You see, it's the power to share the gospel in Ephesians. It says that gospel shoes of peace gives you authority. Behold, I give you all authority to tread on scorpions and snakes. Right? Paul says that. Well, Jesus, Paul's quoting. So, I mean, I don't want to really tread on snakes barefoot. In fact, I want like <laughs> some, a little bit more uh, solid. But the sandals represent authority to tread on snakes and scorpions. You know what I mean? You see, it also represents the freedom out of slavery. When you're in bondage, you walk into prison. At the door, they say belt, shoelaces, everything, ring, phone, everything. They take everything from you. And you go into that cell. And you do whatever you do until it's the time to come out. And when you come out, what happens? They say they open the locker. Oh, Mr. So-and-so, here's your stuff back. And that's what the father was in fact, he wasn't even giving him his, he had already wasted all of, he worn his shoes out, gave them to the guy. He gave him the best, the finest robe, the signet ring, brand, I'm sure those shoes were brand new. Oh, it's like, it's like I get excited for the guy who comes home, you know, I get excited. And you know what, you know what? One more thing. Do you know why he gives him the sandals or the shoes? 
I think, well, I know, it's because he's not running away again. It's a big one. He's not running away this time. See, if he was just a slave or a hired servant, he would have said, you don't get shoes. You were my son, but you're not my son anymore. Thanks for the apology, but I'm not giving you shoes. You can chow what's left over after we celebrate. But he doesn't do that. He says, I'm giving you shoes. Why? Because he knows his son's not going to run away. His heart has turned. His heart is soft. He, see, the father, as painful as it is, had to watch his son go. But now he's returned. And he can live in this kingdom with the shoes and enjoy it. And he's not running. And I, and I, just, I just think, once your heart is turned, the Lord can trust you with many things. You know? So then we go into the fattened calf. And I like the fattened calf because I like food. <laughs> Amen. But there's something, there's something special about the fattened calf. We look, oh, get the fattened calf. But just let's go, let, just tell me if you've read the story more than 50 times, like I have in the last month. Tell me, what led the son back to the father? So, he was hungry. Now you've got to think about this. He comes home. He's like, I'm so hungry that I'm starving to death. On my arrival, I get a robe, I get a ring, I get shoes. Amazing things. But my stomach is rumbling. The, he, the father needed to satisfy his hunger. And he wasn't content to just end it there and say, cool, welcome, go to your room. We'll prepare breakfast tomorrow. You must eat now. We have to celebrate now. And I can imagine, it says, you, you remember when it says there, no one gave him anything. He was feeding the pigs and no one gave him anything. I can imagine this guy was like in the distant land with no money and he was smelling. Mm, this looks, there's a bride going on here somewhere. The farmer and his mates are jawling, having a big festival, and here I am. He's like, I can smell those potatoes. Just picture it. Just picture it. And he's like, I have to go home. I'm tired of this. And he sets, see, what his gaze got set homeward because of his stomach, not because of his clothes. So there's a lesson. The stomach is really a, a way to a man's heart. Really it is. If there's food, the guy's there. But it's just, you know, you've you got to picture, you picture what drove him back home. And his hunger drove him back home. And so he gets this fattened calf. And how's this? He says, I will arise and go to my father. See, all the things that he gets, God's salvation is all those things but more. It is transformation and renewal and sanctification. So you get all this covering you get the, 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 all the authority, but you need to be sanctified from the inside out. See, if you eat a pearl, you haven't eaten. 
you've swallowed it, but your body cannot digest it. Your kids ever eaten a marble <laughs> or a steel bearing? <laughs> they can't digest it. You didn't. You swallowed it, but you haven't eaten it. It hasn't. The molecular composition of the food hasn't digested and been absorbed by your body and changed you from the inside out. And that's what the food does. We need to. I mean, it's incredible what's in this story. And it's like the father gives him the robe, the ring, the the sandals. He gives him food from the inside out to nourish him, to bring him back. And I'm sure, I mean, guys, if you fasted, you don't go and hit a lamb. But when you, (laughs) because you'll have cramps the next day, you know what I mean? But this, for me, if I'm coming home after years, I'm trying that thing. I don't care about tomorrow. I'm trying. I need to, I want to, you know, celebrate and eat and we can deal with the cramps and stuff tomorrow, you know. And I just, you see, he was transformed by taking the food the father had provided. His body and his nourishment came from the food. And the last thing here, and this is what I think I think this is a big one because there's a party. And this is a big one for me because if you look at the story, the party, so the, the one sheep gets lost, comes home. The shepherd throws a party. And it says there, in the same way, heaven rejoices when one sinner returns to the, to the Lord. When Ryan Sinner comes back home, the lady loses one coin. It says, in the same way, there's a party in heaven. And the son comes home. And in the same way, there's a party in heaven. Now, I want to ask you a question. Your worst enemy, worst one, the one you haven't told people about. You pretend like they're not your enemy, but they're your enemy. Or sibling. Or parent or someone you you just you know and they walk up those stairs right now and they say the Lord's called me here and they give their lives to the Lord your older your older brother returns he returns your younger brother returns yeah gives his life Lost brother. It's been gallivanting for years. You even tried to help him. He blew your cash. Deceived you. And he comes in and he gives his life to the Lord. And then, and then, he gets given all these things. He gets promoted. He becomes a pastor. Starts running a church. Leads a church. Does all these things. Moves forward. Leads worship. Just advances. Opens business. Does everything. Gets totally blessed. And the father wants everyone to celebrate. But you standing here. I'm not coming in. He hurt me. You know, the story goes like this. The older brother got two double what the younger brother got. You know that? And the older brother, so in, in those times when the father would die, the older brother would get, so the first son would get double the inheritance and the younger son would get the third. 
And the older brother was the executor of the estate. So he would be the guy who says, you get this at this time, you get this. So he was, so he actually had pretty much everything, which we know the story. But in his heart, he couldn't celebrate that his younger brother was still alive. I mean, guys, we know the story. I'm, I'm, Luke 15 is a story about a lot of us. Prodigals that have ran. But you can be in the Father's house, but so far in your heart from the Father and from the younger brothers. And God is, it says there, holy beings celebrate when one sinner repents. I mean, the father could have just said, you know what? Thanks. You've returned. Okay. Where's the list? Give me the whip. Drive the soak. Yeah, you're home. Oh, you're hungry. Here's some chow. But we've got a list for you, a criteria that you must meet first before you can inherit what is actually yours. You need to prove yourself first. We don't trust you. We don't actually trust you. Hey, the father could have said to the older brother, do we trust this oak? He doesn't. He says, when you return to the father, he gives you everything. One shot. No strings attached. Come on. I'm telling you. It's like, it's like but if, if sometimes you think like me, maybe I'm just the only guy. Some guy rocks up at work sidelines you straight to the front. Now you start thinking, mm, I taught this oak. I taught him ev- pretty much everything he knows. And you can be a bit of an older brother and you, he gets a promotion. What about me? Uh, or is it just me? Uh, you know? And you get sidelined. And are we going to celebrate with heaven the story When you take it in its context, he was speaking to people that couldn't celebrate that Jesus accepted anybody. They couldn't fathom that they haven't met all this criteria, but yet you accept them. And that was the story. You see, there's another story, and 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 I'll I'll kind of close with this. I want to share a story, and then we'll go back to the feast. You see... The father throws the party. The father says, let us celebrate. Heaven says, let us celebrate. And you look at this story. There's two stories. One, there's a story of this. It's called the parable of the rich fool. You know, there's also a party. Just three chapters back, Luke 12, it says, Then someone, from the, the, then someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our estate with me. So he was saying, you, my dad's dead. We, you tell my brother to divide it because the older brother was the executor. You see, so obviously this was the younger one telling the older one, divide. Because if it was the older one, he could have just done whatever he wanted. So there's another story here. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide things like that? I mean, We know Jesus is the judge of all creation, but he's just throwing it in there to see who does he think Jesus is. 
Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed, for life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them the story. So he's, he's addressing the thing of dividing the estate. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? For I don't have room for all my crops. So he's saying, mm, I'm making cash. I've got all these buckies. I've got all these trucks. But I don't have a yard big enough. Cool. We'll get rid of that yard and we'll buy a bigger one. So he says, I know. I'll tear my barns down and I'll build bigger ones. Now this is important. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away from years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. So he's thinking to himself, I've made it. Now I can call my cronies, I can eat, I can drink, I can be merry, we can have a celebration, my, my uh, wheat is stored in the barns, when we need some money we sell some bales of wheat, it's all good. Guess what happens? But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night, then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So he's saying, so if you look at the two stories, you don't get to throw your own party. God decides when it's your own party. God decides on the party. You can do things in your own strength, fill your bonds, be this thing, head honcho of everything. But when it comes time to throw your party, the Lord might knock on the door and say, buddy, you missed the plot. You don't get to throw your own party. The Lord throws the party when it's your time. And so you come home. You, he, the, the one son comes home and he gets a celebration, right? This is the last thing that we're going to look at. You see, it's interesting that the Pharisees thought they had everything. The people in the story thought they knew and they thought they had amassed all these things to make them right with, with God. But God says, it's so simple. You just need to believe. And they couldn't understand it. And then there's another story. talks about these workers in the field. And the, the, some workers start at six in the morning and they get, they're working. Some workers start at 9, right? Some workers start at 12, noon, half day. Most of like some areas in this, <laughs> you know, half day. Some guys start at 3. I'm like, bro, what are you rocking up here at 3 o'clock? Some guys start at 5. They arrive at 5 p.m. for work. Now, bro, I don't know if you like me. And I've been working since 6 in the morning. And some oak rocks up here at 5 p.m. We're about to knock off, bro. What are you going to do now? You know, like, you got to... Now it comes time. The master calls the, the foreman and he says, pay these guys their wages. So now everyone's standing. Guess what? The 5 o'clock guys get paid first. The 5 o'clock guys, it says there... The foreman paid the 5 p.m. guys first. 
full day's wage. For one hour. Mm. For one hour. I wonder what he's going to give us. They all start standing there like us. Because <laughs> now you've got a picture. Go read the story. If this I got a full day for one hour, okay, one hour, so I've worked 12, so I'm getting 12 days. That's how I'm thinking. Or not. One hour, full day, 12 hours, 12 days. Here I stand. Three o'clock guy gets. Full day's wage. Great, okay, hold on. It doesn't make sense, but it's fine. He's coming to me with the money, and I'm looking at the bag. How much cash has this got in here? And then he pays the 12 o'clock guy. Full day. Thinking, bro, this doesn't actually make sense what this guy's paying. Then he pays the nine o'clock guy full day's wage. Now I'm like, no, bro. <laughs> if this oak pays me a full day for a full day, and he pays that oak a full day for one hour, I'm going to be upset. The guy comes, full day. Thanks, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Cheers. It's 6 p.m., it's getting dark. Let's go. I'm standing there with my money. And this guy's celebrating because he's, I mean, if you get paid a full day for one hour, anybody will celebrate. And this guy is angry. He's angry that he got so, actually, the story says you agreed to work for that. And that's why you're getting that. But what Jesus was addressing is that whether a guy has been there for 50 years, for 40 years, for 30 years, for an hour, or for a minute, God is so gracious that you all get the same thing. It's beautiful. It's hard. It's not fair, maybe. But it's beautiful because God in his righteousness understands you see what salvation this is what salvation is it is celebrating with those that come in at the 11th hour that's why it's called the 11th hour it was a 12 hour day and he arrived at the 11th hour and he got exactly the same and now we can be bitter or we can celebrate say come on where are we going we got to go and chow Hot chips, vinegar, salt, crispy. Oh, yes. And a cold stony. Am I right? We've got to celebrate with this guy because he's just been paid. You know what I'm saying? But our culture and life and being burnt and being stood on and being sidelined has caused us in life to be like that, to be like the older brother, to be like, I've worked for it, so I deserve more. But that's not God's economy. Because you cannot, you cannot work for your salvation. Oh, it's actually so beautiful. And the reason why, I mean, as I read more and more and more, I believe there's, there's two things, guys. One, there's going to come people to the lighthouse. Right? At the 11th hour. And are we going to celebrate their salvation with them? And then there's going to come people into your family, into your workplace. 
and kind of just pretty much getting in everything that belonged to you <laughs> and split in half now because this person, you know, it's like, and are you going to celebrate with them? At work, you start a practice, you start something, you get a partner, you divide it. And what God is addressing here, the Father is saying, I welcome anyone but to you. But to you. Your wife gets a promotion. Or maybe she doesn't have to work. But you must work. Your kids get promoted. You've been working hard. And they work one hour a day for the same wage. Are you going to celebrate them? Or are you going to be bitter in your heart? Because what God wants is he wants us to have his heart. And so I think this morning, as we close, if you think to yourself, two things. What have I given away? What truths did I give away? See, you need the right truths for the right job. And this morning, the Father says, get your shoes back. Have you given your rights away in some thing and kind of sold yourself to slavery and you've left the Father's house, whether that is running away completely, deliberate sin, giving up your shoes, giving up your rights. You can, and you can do it so easily. That's called idolatry. And God is calling us home. The other side is, mm, Lord, when people come home, give me your heart for those people that we can celebrate what you are doing. Can we stand? Can I pray for us?